Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Skews Day to you. It's Election Day. I don't know why I said that in such a happy fashion, but yeah, here it is. November 8th, 2022. I'm Trey Crowder. That's Mark Agee. What's up, Mark? How you feeling? Uh, you know, no, I was just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, it, I was going to do a bit up top. I was going to ask you what you want to talk about because, you know, Wakanda Forever comes out this weekend. Maybe we just ramble about that for it. But, uh, right. yeah. yeah, it's Election Day. It feels, it's, a, a, it's a day America gets its report card, and it feels like the teacher is like a mean, vindictive asshole who hates us. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a rainy, cold day in Los Angeles. We got a flash flood warning in a city where it never yeah. rains. So it's I'm glad you brought that up. I did want to t- – because, t- you know, we li- we're live, as always – and yeah, me and Mark actually have inclement weather going on, which is very rare for LA. But yeah, if some shit goes down, who knows? Uh, hopefully it won't. But yeah, we got rain out here. Yeah. Rain out here is sort of like snow in the south. I feel like it's like people just people don't know how to deal with it. Heavy amounts of rain. <laughs> like, yeah. hope you got a bunch of eggs and bread and shit because we're lost. <laughs> we're lost. Yeah, fire up the wood stove, cook some cornbread on it. Uh, the <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is a little a bit bizarre. Um, yeah, let's talk about what we're not going to know tonight uh, is pretty much anything because, you mm-hmm. know, it takes a while to count votes because, you know, there's going to be like, just to prepare everybody, there's going to be uh, a red mirage in Pennsylvania and a blue mirage in Arizona because of how, uh, the order they count mail-in ballots. Pennsylvania is a law they can't start counting mail-in ballots until election day. So they're going to be a few days behind in Arizona. They can drop them all in, in the morning. So yeah, because of how we all vote. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit of chaos going on today. There hasn't good news. There hasn't been any stochastic terrorism that I heard about. No polling place gotten shut up. Of course we haven't started mm. doing the, the extended two day vote counts yet, which is when shit really right. gets hairy. Well, at but least there's that. <laughs> yeah. Some voting machines went down in Maricopa County, Arizona, which caused some right-wing conspiracy theorizing going on. But just to set everyone straight, uh, Maricopa County is run by Republicans, including the elections. I think their their election board is four four to one Republican. So everyone can chill the fuck out. But while we're on Arizona, there so far there have been 18 cases of voter intimidation, alleged cases of voter intimidation across the state. According to the Secretary of State, um, there was a cyber attack in Illinois that took a county offline for a while today. A guy with a knife, don't know his motive, shut down a polling place in Wisconsin for a couple hours. Um, vo- voting hours have been extended in pl- places like Pennsylvania, North Carolina, because of technical logistics issues, like Pennsylvania, a, a polling station literally ran out of ballots. Um, voting hours have been extended in uh, Harris County, Texas, and uh, in Arizona. Uh, the Republicans went to court to get election hours extended because of those voting machines, which that's funny, because that, that's usually the opposite side they're on. Um yeah, I know there's some bullshit going on. I saw a guy on Reddit post a thing. He went to the front page. He's from Pennsylvania, and he said he sent in a mail-in, val- a mail-in ballot, and then he got uh, a letter or a notification or something that told him that his ballot was rejected for some kind of technicality reason and mm-hmm. to go to this polling place to rectify it. And he showed up at the polling place, and he posted a picture of the polling place, and there was like a line out the door and around the block, and he said that like, cops had been removing people from the line and shit like that so you know it all yeah. seems to be on the up and up so far Dude, there there is a a crazy story out of oklahoma a sheriff in tulsa said he was going to arrest some poll workers because they were refusing to give ballots to republicans now i don't know if this sheriff's a wingnut or not but when they did the photo it was like two dozen people got denied ballots and they were their partisan breakdown was more Republican than Democrat, but then we're talking about Oklahoma, but there were Democrats turned away too. And one of the poll workers he said he was going to arrest was a Republican. I don't know, man. People are going insane. Um, yeah. So uh, <laughs> uh, also before we get to the show in the lead, in, in the lead up, Trump did a bunch of uh, truly insane rallies. Um, and he spent all day today posting on, on truth social, trying to get poll workers killed about how everything's rigged uh, against him specifically. Um, he also, uh, threatened to um, he announced some new policy to pursue once he's reelected to give drug dealers a death penalty after a two hour trial, then mail the bullet to their families as some sort of message. Uh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Jesus Christ. That's some Godfather also, shit right there. Just playing by mob rules, which I guess, you know, that also, tracks proposed his solution for journalists doing an, dealing with anonymous sources is to imprison them and have them raped until they give up their sources. Okay. Um, I'm not sure yeah. if no one covering Trump anymore is good. 
Right. Like, uh, people need to know how insane this shit is. But anyway, he did de- debut a new nickname for Ron DeSantis. He called him Ron DeSanctimonious. Uh, and he threatened he has, that he has some blackmail information on DeSantis, which DeSantis seems like a garden variety goon and not a pervert, but I don't know, maybe. There was a profile that dropped this week of um, DeSantis's year spent teaching uh, school between uh, finishing college and starting law school, where he taught at a private school in Georgia, like a, like a super rich private school in Georgia, where he apparently would party with the teenagers when he was 23. <laughs> sure. So maybe he is a pervert. Um, yeah. And while we're talking, today's we're going to be talking about democracy and <laughs> this truly wild story. So the North Carolina governor's race, if you believe the public polling is close, because right. the, the Republican candidates run this harsh law and order campaign about rising crime rates in New York. We talked about in our crime episode recently. It, it, there's no, there's no connection to reality between people's panic over crime and actual crime realities. But, um, he's, Campaign has largely been bankful, uh, bankrolled by Ronald Lauder, who's this heir to the Estee Lauder makeup fortune. And when asked, Lauder will give the, to the law and order spiel, but he he also has a deeply personal motive. It turns out that uh, Kathy Hochul, a Democratic governor who succeeded Andrew Cuomo, uh, he met with her to complain about um, a, uh, a uh, was it say a wind power line put up near his house in the Hamptons and the project didn't get canceled. So he's basically spent eleven million dollars. You're right. Because he's whole, mad about right. The whole thing is because like he don't like the look of that windmill from his back porch or whatever. Yes. And somebody put a yeah. windmill up in the distance so he could see from his back porch in the Hamptons from his compound, and thus yeah. he has dedicated millions of dollars into burying that person and changing the political landscape of the entire <laughs> state and region. Yeah. Just yeah. billionaire so, stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Democracy, good in theory, but under a current campaign finance rules, uh, just a fucking clown show. Yeah. <laughs> just a fucking yeah. clown. His great granddaddy made some makeup so he gets to overthrow the state government. Um, and one last little, oh, along that thing, LA's millionaires have come out. We, haven't, we don't talk too much about LA politics because it's not super relevant to most of the viewers, but Rick Caruso, mm-hmm. uh, running for a Trump supporter. Who's run yeah. for mayor as a Democrat? Because that's what happens. It's not really one party rule. It's that both part, the conservatives, everybody just runs with a D next to their name, right? Right. So Caruso has given a bunch of money to Mitch McConnell, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, um, Katy Perry, Chris Pratt, <laughs> all these celebrities who are pissed off about having to see homeless people from the limo windows or campaigning hard for Rick Caruso. So, anyway, I hope uh, rich people. Y- you have millions of dollars, but you still get one vote. Just use your one vote and fucking chill out. Yeah. Um, but and by the way, have you seen any? Like, I was, I don't really see many campaign ads because the only live TV I watch is sports. But man, I've been bombarded with Rick Caruso ads. Which, if I didn't know any better, I'd vote for him. Seems like a nice I know. Guy. No, honestly, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because. You in this show, us talking about him and everything is the only reason that I know that other stuff about him. I mean, it's really it really highlights how effective messaging and marketing and propaganda and all that shit is. Because, yeah, I've seen a lot of Rick Caruso ads, too. And I'm like, yeah, he seems all right. I like I like what this guy's laying down. I'm all for this. You know, I wouldn't know any better. Otherwise, if that's all I was going on, which that is all a lot of people are going on is the ads that they see. It's the most cynical horseshit. If you guys don't know, he's a billionaire self-financing his campaign um, and he's running ads like California is a ballot initiative to uh, basically protect uh, abortion rights in the state constitution. And he's Mm -hmm. running ads saying, even if you don't vote for me, vote for this to protect the rights of Californians. Meanwhile, he's, right. he's a pro-life dude who's given millions and millions of dollars to pro-life causes. You could right. say, you could say, well, he's just a businessman buying influence because he wants to protect his tax bracket. Whatever. But it's like, he's just fucking lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just absolutely fucking lying. And I find it infuriating. Uh, and one last thing for we got to get the show. We watched uh, a bunch of woke people in New York uh, boo Ted Cruz at a Yankees yep. game a couple weeks ago. Yep. So I thought you would, we would also enjoy watching Ted Cruz getting booed by a bunch of Texans at the uh, Houston Astros uh, World Series Championship Parade. <laughs> Dude, right, I, look, I know I, we've said it before about Ted Cruz, but like, 
who like he keeps getting reelected. It seems like everyone hates him. These are fucking Texas sports fans. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I don't think people think of sports fans as being the wokest bunch. In fact, it's the opposite. These are like people that care enough mm-hmm. about sports to go to a World Series parade, and they yeah. are resoundly booing and rejecting this guy. But he just, you know, continues yeah. to skate by. Like, it's wild. It's got to be balanced because when you're talking about sports fans, like baseball fans, I would assume would be, tend to be the most conservative right. uh, next to like college football. Right. But it's in Houston, which is a deep blue city. So I think it would even out to be like, you know, a nonpartisan crowd. But some guy yeah. in that crowd got arrested because he hit, he almost hit, he threw a beer at Ted Cruz and almost hit him in the head with it. So he got arrested for assault. So yeah, people don't like this fucker. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. With us, as always, is producer Matt. This is Weekly Skews. I want to remind you, of course, two quick things. Number one, if you'd like to see me perform live, please go to TreyCrowder.com. Check out all the dates we got coming up in the coming months. Going to be very exciting. Going all over the place. We're still adding more all the time. So go to TreyCrowder.com. Check it out. Come and see me. Number two, if you enjoy this program and would like to show your support, you can do so by signing up on Patreon. $5 a month gets you access to full-length bonus episodes. We're going to record one later this week where we break down some of the fallout from these midterm elections. You don't want to miss that. So go to weeklyskews.com slash more, or you can just go on Patreon and look me up. Either way works. Sign up on there, get some more skews in your life. Now, as for the show tonight, it's, of course, all midterm talk as we welcome to the show Dr. Gary Segura, who was the director of Latino polling for the DNC in 2020 and is the dean of the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs. We're looking forward to that conversation. But first, of course, we must again, must begin with the Daily Dumbass. Matt, graphic, please. Tonight's DD, Don Jr. for thinking he won't have to actually get a job one day. Yes, watch this clip. You pass away, you can, if you like your child, I always say if you don't like, leave it to charity. (laughs) Some of us have horrible children. Do you have any horrible (laughs) Does anybody have like a child where you really are not going to leave your farm? Any farmers? No, you don't have to. Just if you don't like them, don't, you know, then what I did for you doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but I got rid of the inheritance. You know what would happen. You let it so the- funny. <laughs> I love it so much. Look, we're just openly talking about how much they suck and how much he doesn't love them. You know what I mean? Where their every waking moment is spent publicly seeking his approval. And he goes to a rally and he's like, look, I know what it's like to have a piece of shit as your kid or multiple pieces of shit. You know what I mean? Just totally worthless. Can't yeah. rely on for anything. Don't deserve shit. I hear you, Iowa. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like using the crowd like a therapist. Like... Yeah, I don't know who the, who the man talks to. Like, uh, my put this is the an, old anecdote before. Well, these guys wrote a biography of Trump, and I heard an interview with them where they're like trying to figure out, like, get to the core of the man, and like there wasn't anyone there. Like, they asked him yeah. who his closest friend was, and he didn't understand the questions. Like, you mean a friend, like someone I call when I have a problem? And they go like, Yeah, and he goes, No, nah, I don't, I don't have any. I mean, <laughs> then, dude, I, the one, th- I mean, the one thing I'll say about Donald Trump is I do sort of feel like what you see is what you get with him. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like you said, try to get to put put aside the public persona and find the man. I would not ever assume that that man existed outside yeah. of what we all expect him to be. I feel like he's pretty straight down the fairway, exactly what you would expect him to be at all points in time. Yeah. I mean, one of the, uh, like, I, I feel like, like I, I laughed really hard one time trying to imagine Donald Trump, like reading a poem and thinking about it. Uh, it's just like there's like nothing going on behind like behind yeah. like they, these same guys they asked him like they, they, they just follow up question they're trying like what do you think about when you look in the mirror and he didn't understand the question and they asked him who would be your ideal dinner companion and he said I'm, I'm paraphrasing it was like a, a, a beautiful babe with big tits yeah. <laughs> uh, like it's like living or dead who would you like to eat with Einstein Lincoln you know right. uh, Nietzsche like, could I choose no. myself three times, like just three other versions of me? That's the only dinner I'd like to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, our first honorable mention for Daily Dumbass is Tim Ryan for turning all the Mexicans trans, uh, apparently. I don't know. Here, watch this. 
And Tim Ryan is sort of the poster board for oligarchy. If you look at his views on green energy, really good for the people who fund his campaign, really bad for the people of Youngstown, Ohio. If you look at his views on, for example, flooding America with illegal aliens and then using American tax dollars to fund gender reassignment surgeries for those aliens, that's exactly what Tim Ryan has proposed doing. It's the closing okay. message for a U.S. senator. It's like, right. like when people when people look at that, who thinks that's true? Like, I don't know, man. I mean, apparently a, a goodly number of people think that's true. Like, I'm totally with you, but it seems like there's a fair amount of people who see things like that and just nod their head stoically throughout. They're like, that's exactly right. That's exactly what he is trying to do. And we must stop him at all costs. I think that's absurd. But I also think that that happens. I just like I, it's so, such an alternate reality, like that the government provides health care for people in this country. Like you and I have both been pretty poor in our lives. There's no mm-hmm. safety net. It doesn't exist. No. No. I, I just don't I don't I don't know what the fuck this guy is. Yeah, I, these people are from another planet. And I like if this works, I don't like it's just Christ. Yeah. No, it's just it's it's like, you know, it's like the next it's like uh, soap opera storytelling or something where it's like we got to go bigger. We have to. Like, we've already done everything else. we got to go bigger. It's like, oh, he's sending Mexicans over the border. That's not bad enough. Guess what? You're not going to believe this. He's turning those Mexicans into, you know, lady Mexicans or whatever. He's chopping all their dicks off because they want it because that's how they are. And that's that's what that's what's going to happen in Tim Ryan's America. And uh, but, yeah, it plays, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I guess. You want to do one more uh, before we get the doctor up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our next honorable mention is this guy's wife for playing the long game to get him out of the house. Play it, Matt. <laughs> this guy kills me. About the inflation and how gas is up by, you know, God knows what state you're in. You're paying a lot of money. Sure. How's that affected you? You know, it's really affected my wife more than anything. She's keeping the regular job. And um, so gas and everything <laughs> goes up. And my traveling on the state is, is around the country is funded by five ten dollar tips from people, and yeah. you know the money I make on roofs and things. But it's, yeah. so really, right. it hasn't affected me too much. About the- so, this guy is traveling around the country, going from Trump rally to Trump rally, his weird Uncle Sam outfit, and his wife's paying. But his wife got a second job to make sure he can stay as far fuck away from her as possible. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, bless her heart, man. But you know, I mean, look. It's got to be something of a full-time job to commit to being the crazy Uncle Sam guy at all these rallies. You know what I mean? Like, Uh what extra time is he going to have? You know, like, he's got to travel. He's Uh got to be out there. He's got to make appearances. I mean, you know, he needs a support system, and luckily he has one. I'm sure he never asked for a handout in his life, though. (laughs) There was a guy um, uh, at my gym the other day. I think I sent you guys... I, I told you guys about him in a text about it, but he was squatting 700 pounds in an ultra mega shirt t-shirt while wearing a blindfold. And I was like, this, what the fuck is it? I don't even know what the blindfold's for. And he also was wearing American flag Converse and American flag water bottle. It's like how many different, like American flag's cool. It looks cool. But like, it's hold just, on you know, though. Hold on. Cause this is important to me. You're, uh-huh. um, you said he was squatting. The picture you sent was him on a leg press. You saw yeah, him leg successfully. Press, okay, but but he did it though. He yeah he, he, yeah yeah. And he wasn't oh, even a big dude. He was just like yeah. like we, we all well, dude. If you guys if you guys want to rent this man, you got to get to training because these dudes are fucking <laughs> all that all that freedom coursing through his veins, man. He's a eagle in human form. That's why I bet eagles yeah. can squat like a motherfucker. You know, so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, doesn't surprise me, I guess. But, yeah, that's, uh, you know, and I'm surprised he didn't have more than two American flag, you know, forms of accoutrement as he's in the gym there. But with that said, the man himself is here. So we're going to go ahead and get to him. Our guest tonight, as I mentioned earlier, was the director of Latino polling for the DNC in 2020 and is the dean of the UCLA Luskin School of public affairs. He has been featured on NewsHour, Frontline, the CBS Evening News, MSNBC, numerous other outlets, and is a veritable expert in American polling. Everybody, please welcome Dr. Gary Segura. Hey, Doc, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? We're doing good. Thank you for joining us. So 
I guess our first, you know, the softball question, the easiest one we'll throw at you here tonight is, uh, won't you predict the future for us? Uh, like, <laughs> well, how should we all be feeling right now? Not to put any pressure on you, but what, what what's your expectations? We should be feeling warm because the earth is warming and there doesn't seem to be anyone who wants to do anything about it. It's uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Hopeful note. Just <laughs> You know, there are nights like this that are hard to. So I, it, it's obviously not going to be a great night for Democrats, but I think we knew that going in. Historically, it wouldn't be. Right. Um, uh, President's party loses seats in the midterm election pretty consistently. That's true of both parties. Um, I think the question is, will it be a really, really bad Democratic night or will it have some positive surprises? I think there'll be a few positive surprises. I don't think this is a washout kind of night. Um, okay. And then you you live to fight another day in 2024. Uh, politics is about the long game, right? Do you do yeah. you think that like because like you said, the general rule of thumb is that the pendulum swings back the other way against the ruling party in the midterms. And coming into the beginning of this year, looking forward to the midterms, like back in January, everybody was like, "Yeah, the Democrats are going to get waxed." That's what we all know. And then over the summer, like with Roe and all these other sort of initiatives and everything, it seemed like the discourse was, you know, uh, implying it could go in the other direction. And now we're back where we're at. And it's like if you said it's not going to be a total washout, if that actually happens, is that like a moral victory for them? Like, is it possibly better than what you might have expected based on what the trends are? Or is it still just bad? Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be pretty bad in the sense that I, you know, I think we're going to lose the House of Representatives and, and yeah. the Senate very, very close. I think everybody knows that. But I think, you know, we just did a, a bunch of polling on this coming into the election, uh, you know, just the, the last couple of days here. And the numbers are actually looking pretty good in the sense that um, the president was at 50-50 approval rating. The generic ballot was essentially even. Uh, that's not good enough for Democrats, but but an even generic ballot is, is definitely something they're going to be happy with. And on every major issue that faces the, the political decision makers in the last couple of years and in the next couple of years, Democrats hold majority uh, positions among every racial and ethnic group in the United States. So why is it that Democratic positions do better than Democratic candidates? And the answer there's two answers, and the biggest one this year is inflation. Like the economy right. is just killing us. Right. Uh, oil prices, gas prices, just killing us, and it's very hard to swim upstream against that. Right. Go ahead, Mark. Doctor. I want to ask you the generic ballot because I was thinking about that because, like, I, I mean, like for frame of reference, I forget the last number I saw, but Democrats have to win by like five to seven points or something to win the House, which is insanely undemocratic a lower mm -hmm. lowercase d democratic but generic ballot like i'm curious like voters don't vote for generic politicians they vote for the actual uh insane monsters that are on their ballots <laughs> so like i just worry like why can't noise break through like sure i might prefer a republican in a neutral situation but the republican i have to vote for is you know marjorie taylor green or lauren bulbert or you know whoever took madison Cawthorn's spot you know it's just like it, it it's i don't know People, where, where I grew up, people used to say, I vote for the man, not the party. And it's like, of course, that, that's sexist to begin with. But it's no longer true at all, is it? It doesn't seem that way. Um, I don't, yeah. So first of all, a couple things. We are a much more um, homogenized set of political parties than we were when you and I were younger people. And I'm much older than you. But it used to be that you'd have fairly broad coalitions on both the Democratic and Republican side. And now it's very, very pure. You a lot of clear conservatives in one party, clear uh, left of center voters in the other. And so you don't get as much diversity. But the second thing that's happened is that this, this mystery that I told you a moment ago where democratic positions uh, run ahead of democratic politicians, Republican positions run behind Republican politicians. So the question is why? And the only way to think about that is this sort of team notion, like we're Republican kind of people. Well, what does right. that mean? Could be rural, could be Southern, very often is white. Um, the other thing is that, you know, I, you made reference to the abortion decision or whatever. Our numbers tonight suggest that uh, white women, Anglo-Saxon women, voted 55 percent Republican, just like they did two years ago, uh -huh. just like they did four years ago, just like they did in every election since 1964. 1964 was the last national election where a majority of white women voted Democratic. 
So the Dobbs effect might have been real in terms of producing a, some intensity, uh, but in the end, it doesn't seem to have moved many white women voters, which is who the party targeted as a consequence of that decision. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you you know, the oh, the positions poll ahead of the candidates on this side, and they poll behind the candidates on the other side. And I think, you know, what you're saying is like, in the abstract, these ideas for certain types of policies, people hear them and they're like, yeah, that would be great. But when it comes time to actually vote in an election, they just look at the letter beside the name or whatever. It's like, I like that as an idea, but I don't like Democrats. So even though that's a Democrat idea, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat because there's like a disconnect between those yeah. two things for your average voter. That's exactly right. People have an image in mind of who constitutes a Democratic supporter and what a Democratic politician is for. Right. And those images might be distorted or they may cue on things that really matter to voters in a way that issues uh, may not. The obvious example for that would be race. Um, we know that the party preferences are, uh, structured by race are tremendous. Republicans win a majority of votes in one and only one racial group in the United States, and that's been true for as long as I've been polling. So the idea that um, you know there there are people who are voting on on issues that don't appear to be uh, structured by their actual policy preferences, I think race is one. The second historically was religion, but I think that has really faded. That really race is the most distorting factor in taking people who share a set of left of center policy positions and making them vote for team right. And, and, and team right, I think, in some instances, turns out to be team white. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was a fascinating, I think in 2020, I'm doing it off the top of my head, but like uh, Florida, via ballot initiative, voted by a large majority to, to raise the minimum wage, but also voted for Trump. <laughs> it's like, how can you have those same two preferences in your head at the same time? It's pretty, it, 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 I guess you're right. The race is the only thing, race and racism is the only thing that explains it. Um, that, that's right. And, and by the way, I, just out of fairness, because I, you know, I don't feel the need to be fair, but I'm going to be fair just a little <laughs> bit. We, we often look at working class people who vote Republican and think, what a mystery. Like, why are they doing this? It's bad right. for their economics. But we should also look at wealthy people, people with good incomes who vote Democratic. That should be yeah. an interesting question, too. And by the way, religion sometimes plays a role there. People's belief in sort of um, Christian gospel, social gospel kind of arguments. Uh, some may be civic, the idea that the society is better if we all do better, et cetera. So there's always reasons to find why people vote against what appear to be their economic ish interests. But the, yes, the, the minimum wage vote is a classic example of that disconnect you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so, you had, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead, Tori. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to, like, Matt sent me a, a, a speech, a talk you gave uh, from a while back, and you had a take I found really interesting, uh, where you, something you call the freakonomicization of politics. Do you, uh, can, can you tell our viewers what you meant by that? Because I thought it was really interesting. Well, so I'm a political scientist, and I apologize for that up front. Um, and that, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I did in life. And I think that Political science as a discipline, some of the political parties and the political operatives as an industry have become very focused on the clever to the exclusion of understanding what, what people are actually living. And so when Black Lives Matter happened, political scientists didn't have a sense of why that was coming because they hadn't really studied that. When the Soviet Union collapsed in 1991, people didn't expect that either. So there is this can't see the forest for the trees problem that a lot of analysts have. And I think it's true for political scientists and it's true for political operatives in Washington. We like the clever, but the clever may not actually get us where we need to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find we talk about that a lot of people to being too clever by half. Like, a, I think the way we typically put it is like a lot of people go to too much crap school or something like that, which I know you went to a lot of grad school. I'm a dean yeah. of graduate school. I can't possibly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to mess with your money, Doc. I'm not trying to yeah, mess with your money. <laughs> I can't like well, I guess uh, sort of on a related note, one thing I wonder about is it feels like when you look on the right, a lot of their messaging in the lead up to elections and stuff. I mean, it, you know, I'm a lefty. It seems to me that Every few years, they sort of invent out of nowhere some new boogeyman, uh, you know, to add to the ranks of the culture war or whatever, like recently, like critical race theory or things like that. 
And I'd just like to hear, you know, your outlook on sort of the effectiveness of that and, you know, how that sort of works. And uh, Mm -hmm. is there like what's the opposition of that look like? What do you do in response to things like that? Um, I'm not sure I know the answer, because if I knew the answer of how to respond to a bigger deal in Democratic politics. Right. (laughs) I would say that this is this is the perfection of a very, very old art. There, there's a story told of a, a Senate election in the 1950s in Florida, where one uh, candidate described the other as known to asso- associated with known thespians. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, but, right. but people did not. So it was a, this creation of this sort of a little bit weird, a little bit funky, a little bit different. If you look at uh, critical race theory, which, by the way, almost no one on the right can actually define, let right. alone raise objections to. Uh, before that, it was Antifa or Antifa. Remember Antifa? Mm-hmm. Has anyone ever seen an Antifa meeting? Like, do you know where they meet? Because I keep trying to sign up and there right. is no <laughs> meeting because there is no Antifa. Like, like these things are insane. So, yes, there's boogeyman after boogeyman after boogeyman. I can go back to the 1988 election, and Michael Dukakis wasn't um, uh, dedicated enough to the Pledge of Allegiance, I think it was. Like, like, what? Like, these things are insane, and the Republicans are better at doing it. Now, the question is why, and I think there's two answers. The first is that they are have structured the party in opposition to solutions of anything because they want to shrink government. So they're the party of no. So when you get to, for example, the 19, uh, uh, two, excuse me, the 2008 presidential election, the Democrats were talking about the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. It's very difficult to put, you know, permafrost and environmental damage on a bumper sticker. But drill, baby, drill, which was Sarah Palin's response, that's very easy to put on a bumper sticker. It's clever. It's fast. It's easy. And it tells people the solution to your problem is to just do more of what we're doing. And they buy that. So that's one reason, I think, why... Uh, they're able to do that. They're able. They're able to craft the message in a way. And then the second is that Democrats um, actually have a fairly complicated agenda of things that they'd like mm-hmm. to do. Um, the Republican agenda, near as I can tell, is to hold the marginal tax rate down on the highest income earners in the United States. If you go back to Ronald Reagan's election through today, they might promise a million things, but what they really want to do is hold the marginal tax rate down. So they have a very simple agenda, and that's what they're for. They'll do any trick to get an electorate that does not share their policy preferences to cast a vote for them anyway. Right. So it's like, like you said, they're the party of no. Like on the Democrat side, it's like you have to explain to people, you have to express to people appropriately the changes you want to see made and why. But on their side, it's like we don't want anything to change. And here's why, because same, good, different, bad, essentially. Okay. And that's just kind of an inherently uh, simpler undertaking, I guess. It's easy. It's easier to approach that from that perspective than to do. Well, the and it's also the case that if if, you know, people don't agree with you. Go back to the, the example of the uh, minimum wage, right? Republican operatives and Republican candidates, they know that their position on the minimum wage is a minority position. It's not popular. OK. They know their position on assault rifles and various gun control is a minority position. They know their position on abortion is a minority position, their position on climate change, their position on immigration. Like on every major issue, they hold a minority position. It doesn't serve them to talk about issues. Mm-hmm. So instead, they have to make up Antifa and critical race theory right. as the boogeyman because they can't talk about the actual issues that Americans are concerned about. What the Democrats seem to have trouble doing, and again, if I had the answer, I'd tell you, is is how to bring people back to focus on the things that they tell us they care about. Right. Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. Like people ask, you know, people ask me all the time because I'm like a liberal from the rural south. They'll be like, well, how do do we talk to these people about these things? And like you said, I'm always just like, I I wish I knew. Like, I, you know, normally the stock answer I would try to give is I'd be like, well, you know, just don't go in there guns a blazing about abortion and stuff like that. Talk about things they care about, like, you know, put more money in their pocket and things like that. But it's, you know, in our conversation here is showing it. They are on board with those measures and those things as ideas in the macro sense, but it's not changing anything 
about how they identify in terms of like the two parties that they have as choices when they go to to mm-hmm. vote. Like it's not it's not pushing through in any way. It's not pushing through. And there's also this weird cultural identity thing that I don't quite know how to describe. But you I've heard you talk about it, actually, um, which is that there's this weird um, and this is going to sound awful. So my apologies, but feminization of Democrats and masculinization of Republicans. Right. The oh, idea yeah. that real men vote Republican. And it gets associated with all sorts of very strange behaviors. Like you guys know that there's this thing called rolling coal. Do you guys know what rolling coal? Oh yeah. Coal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. So so why do why do real men pollute more? I don't right. is that, <laughs> I, I, I don't get the logical connection. Like, you know, if you have an extra tiny penis, you have to really blow some diesel smoke out of your out of your right. Like, I don't get it. But that gets part and parcel of this notion that, ah, the crazy leftist Democrats want to take away our Ford F-150s and they want to take away our shotguns to go uh, duck hunting and whatnot because there's this masculinization of conservatism, which is really divorced from the actual positions that conservatives hold. There, there was a, we were making, me and Trey were making fun of this guy uh, earlier today. This guy named Nick Adams, who's some sort of right-wing influencer. He's Australian. I don't know why, I don't know what, what he's doing in American politics, but he's been on this rant about Hooters lately. And like, the other day he was like, <laughs> he was like, real men eat Hooters with the boys. Beta leftists eat, drink lattes with their wives. I'm like, it's gay to have a wife now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's well, gay. I'm gay as a goose and I have no wife, so yeah. I promise you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I we know Tucker Carlson had that whole like little special about apparently, you know, to be a real man, you got to like put your balls in a tanning bed or something. You remember that? Like, you got to take UV yeah. rays to the testicles, otherwise, you'll turn into a lefty cuck. And I mean, it's just so hard to even track the logic or lack thereof of all of this stuff, you know, like it's just, it's overwhelming how ridiculous it all is. And, and let's be honest, ladies, gentlemen, do any of us want to live in a world where Tucker Carlson's steez defines masculinity? I know. <laughs> Tell me about it, man. I, I absolutely preach. It's like he is the bellwether for what a manly man is. All of a sudden it's wild to me that they go with it. Like if he looked like the rock or something, it'd be different. But you know, even if he was still as full of shit as he is, but I'd at least sort of understand it, but him being what he is and he's supposed to be the the prototype for a manly man and everybody just rolls with that. It's wild. Meanwhile, Stone Cold Steve Austin was very pro marriage equality. That's Absolutely, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, legit. Not to get like two good old days here, but like it's something divorced. Like when they like we make fun of like them for like drawing Donald Trump as a jacked football player all the time because like he sort of represents what they think of as masculinity. But like what I was taught was masculine was stuff like duty, the duty and honor, and like standing up for people and being honest even when it hurts you. And it's like, those aren't, <laughs> that's what I was taught masculinity was. It's just like so far removed, but like, I, I can't even wrap my mind around what they think like being tough is anymore. It's just being mean, I guess. But right. It's, uh, right. Mean. So, but you put your finger on it. It's meanness right. as opposed to toughness. And Tucker mm-hmm. Carlson can be mean and Donald Trump can be mean. But one of the frustrating things, and I know you guys feel it too, is Democrats run, their candidates run behind their policy positions but Republicans are running ahead of their policy positions and popularity. But good Lord, why? I mean, there are a lot of truly, truly terrible people who hold office under the Republican banner or run for office under the Republican banner. Donald Trump is one of them. He is not a good person. No one thinks he's a good person. Even in the quiet spaces where Republicans would tell you the truth, they know he's not a good person. So why this guy? Like really, this guy? Yeah, no, I mean that was that was my number one question about in 2016. I was blown away by like the fact that it was that dude specifically because I've said this plenty of times before. But I know for a fact if before he became what he is now, like when he was just a you know reality TV laughing stock, like famous for being a rich douchebag during that era, which was most of his life, if you had like asked any self-identified redneck man, you know, what they thought about Donald Trump, if they knew who he was, it would have been universally negative. They would have been like, he's a, you know, he's like a 
uh, carpetbagging Yankee son of a bitch born with a silver spoon up his ass, thinks he's better than everybody else and needs his ass kicked, like that type of thing. Like he represented mm-hmm. everything they disliked, but then somehow came to be their champion, I guess at least in part because he paid lip service to a lot of this shit that they wanted to hear that other people, you know, hadn't done before. But either way, it's still pretty wild to me. And the other thing is, you know, he despises them. He thinks. Oh yeah. Oh, he he's so disgusted by them. Yeah, I did. I did a video about that. About uh, like he hates y'all. Donald Trump hates poor white people and has Mm -hmm. nothing but disdain for them. But but I wanted to make sure and talk to you about because you know you're a pollster at your thing. It's what you do. Me and Mark on a recent Patreon edition of this show talked about there's this New York Times article that was all about the problems with polling and uh, it's you know even polling experts say that these midterm polls don't tell us anything and it's like there's a lot of issues with polls lately and I was just wondering you know how you feel about that and where you are on that is polling broken what is the problem how should we feel about them etc um there are multiple answers to that question. Polling yeah. is not broken, but polling has gotten a lot harder. Uh, so right. I'll start with that. Um, over the course of your lifetime and mine, um, polling has changed from something that was done primarily on the telephone, where the rate of people actually answering and cooperating with you is about one in three, right. to something that's done almost exclusively online, because when was the last time you answered a telephone call from someone you didn't know? Like no right. one answered the phone. So that's made it more difficult. But the second issue is that when we poll, there's two elements to that poll. One element is the questions we ask and how we ask them. And there are people who do it well and there are people who do it poorly. I happen to think we do it well, but some people don't and and, and many people do it poorly. But then the second question is, what is your theory of the composition of the electorate? If you go back to 2016, Oh, the polls are wrong. The polls are wrong. Well, the polls were actually pretty close to the actual final popular vote number, but they were off by about 3% maybe and 2%. And if you look at how they were off, the representation of rural white voters in the ultimate electorate was a couple points higher than it was in the polling averages that the various mechanisms, various aggregators were using to estimate what the electorate would look like on election day. We don't, we can only ask people at random, but we know that people don't vote at random. Many people don't vote, and there are people who do vote predictably, and we want to talk to the people who are actually going to vote, but you have to have a theory of who's going to turn out. And if that theory is wrong, your poll will be wrong, even if you executed it perfectly. And then the third problem is that midterms are not one election. Midterms are 435 House elections and 33 Senate elections happening simultaneously, and they're virtually impossible to pull in a meaningful way unless you have an infinite amount of money. One question I wanted to ask that I think the most depressing thing about this election cycle has been the complete return to overt racism. I know that's like Republicans have been running on, you know, like the Southern strategy for a long time, but like mm-hmm. the Willie Horton ad was considered shameful in 1988. And they're like, they're, I, I was seeing screen grabs today of like spam text messages. They were saying it was like Democrats want to defund the police and had like mug shots of black criminals. And then like Stephen Miller's organization has run some of the most overtly racist ads I've ever seen, both national about mm-hmm. immigration. They were running on baseball games and it, in a league that's like, you know, significantly Latino. And there was a, the ad we uh, that was running in Georgia today is about how we got to stop anti-white racism. And it's just like, this stuff would have gotten you booted out of polite society a half a decade ago, was there like a moment where that where we went back to 1963 and I missed it? Like, was it like a single moment? Is there some sort of trend? Um, was it Donald Trump coming down the escalator in 2015? That's exactly. That, if I was going to point to a single moment, it was Donald Trump coming down the escalator and talking about um, Mexican sending Mexico sending their worst people. Um, yeah. And and but remember that that was Donald Trump's entire history in New York, the Central Park. Uh, 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 accused uh, perpetrators, none of whom turned out to be guilty, uh, but he called for their execution. Like He has a long, deep history of really un- unvarnished racial animus. And that gave people the opportunity to, to exhibit it. Now, the sad thing is that the social scientist in me has to tell you that 
It had to have been there all along. He yeah. didn't create racism. Mm -hmm. Those racialized sentiments existed in those populations. He merely made it acceptable to say out loud. And I, my own sense is that this society is really closest to the breaking point it has been really since the mid-1960s. Like, we are, we are coming apart at the seams. You know, people have, I, I gotta, I'm going to pontificate about this for a second. You know, last week, someone attempted to assassinate the Speaker of the House. No one's phrasing it in that term. Yeah. But this guy went in there with the intention of killing her. And instead, he hit an 82-year-old man in the head with a hammer. And that's considered a laugh line by the other side's candidates. That's where we are. Right. Well, I mean, on that note, so what I try Sorry. to tell my... No, 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 no. Look, dude, we believe me, we're not known for our optimism here at this show. But so, like, I try to top tell myself when it comes to things like that. Like, we've already talked about how unpopular their actual policies are. And then now lately they're like, you know, they're trying to get rid of Social Security and Medicare and stuff. So it's like even, you know, the seniors in their base or whatever, it seems like they're antagonizing. And and the way young people and Generation Z and all this stuff, and I try to tell myself, like, it's just not sustainable for them to be this extreme and this unlikable and this antagonistic towards so many different demographics of the American populace, like, that it will, because of, if nothing else but that, as long as they're not allowed to completely, you know, rip the foundations of democracy asunder <laughs> and just institute an authoritarian rule, if we can avoid that happening, that it has to work itself out eventually just for those reasons but like is that naive and you know is that stupid is that like what are we really looking at here <laughs> italian fascism and german fascism took a world war to turn back um spanish fascism dominated the country for 40 years uh I i'm sorry i I don't think it just works itself out. The Republican candidate for governor in Wisconsin, who may well win tonight, said that if he gets elected, Republicans will never lose another mm -hmm. election in yep. Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. He's so going to cook the legal establishment. We're experiencing that now at the national level. I mean, there's a reason why John Roberts gives Trump yet more time. Like in every opportunity there is for Republican judges, Republican legislators, or whatever, to modify the electorate and modify the rules to improve their chances, they're taking it. So I do believe, I don't believe tonight democracy is on the ballot per se, but I do believe in 2024 it is. If the Republicans emerge from the 24 election with unified national government, we have a major problem. But, um, after Republicans retake the House, what would you expect from uh a House on American Activities Committee chaired by Marjorie Taylor Greene. What would you expect to come out of? <laughs> um, boy, could be anything. <laughs> Finally, that, that investigation of Bert and Ernie uh, to see if they're really um, indoctrinating children. Uh, it, it, yeah. it could be freaking anything. Um, yeah. You know, I, Kevin McCarthy is a wily operator. I do not know if he will put her in any position to be front and center. Um, he's not, you know, he's not the brightest bulb on the Christmas tree, but he's not a complete fool. Uh, but you never know. He might be pressured to by uh, dear leader. And yeah, anything could happen. Um, the, uh, I mean, the one thing I feel could be, I don't know. I'm just, we're just guessing about the future here, but like a Republican house is going to be so bad shit that it could guarantee Biden re-election in 2024. So maybe that's one race they can't gerrymander, but like, it's still, it's fucking insane that we're here right now. <laughs> right, right. No, they, but they, they can't gerrymander, but to the extent that they can modify, uh, to the extent that they can run interference to prevent mm -hmm. any form of national reform from taking place, then Republican secretaries of state and election deniers in various states can yeah. make their plans to muck up the works uh, in terms of electoral vote distribution. And don't forget, there's this weird case pending in front of the Supreme Court, the clearly uh, sober, uh, carefully considering Supreme Court 
to essentially uh, uh, empower state legislatures to do whatever the hell they want. Right. Um, yeah, the, the independent state legislature theory is what's called, right? Something like that. That's the yeah. one. And yeah. if you get that, then all bets are off. Then, then democracy in the United States is already dead. Well, on that delightful note, we're going to uh, <laughs> let you go soon, Dr. Segura. This has been a very illuminating conversation. I'm glad you joined us. But normally in this situation, we'd ask somebody if you had things to plug or whatever. But is there just whatever parting thoughts you have, anything you want to leave people with? And again, we appreciate it. Um. I don't have anything to plug, uh, yeah. but, and, but I will say that, uh, you know, I, I believed for most of my life in American democracy. I hope I still do. And, you know, my father fought in the Second World War and an uncle died in Korea. A lot of people put forward a lot of effort to get us to a place that we could do the things that we did in the 20th century and the early 21st. And we can be at that place again, but it just requires us to swallow hard, um, lick our wounds a little bit and then get back in the fight. So that's where I'll yeah. do it. Right yeah. on. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you, Dr. Gary. Thank Segura, you, Doc. Everybody. Thank you. See, see that Saint Saddle send you off with a who day. Yeah. Oh, it's, I don't even want to talk about football, but I wanted to let you know, I, I, yeah. was, I have my roots down there. <laughs> All yeah. right. Thank Wait, you, sir. Appreciate you. Wait, the, the Saints and Bengals, one's Houdat and one's Houday, right? I, I think I got them mixed up. I can't remember off the top. Oh, of you said Houday. Yeah, Saints are Houdat, Bengals yeah. Houday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, man. All right. Well, any? Matt, yeah, find some uh, questions and comments for us and whatnot. Also, I'm going to look now for the first time. Uh, looks like Bill Lee won in Tennessee. Everybody knew that was coming. I hate him so much, but, yeah, that was not unexpected. Uh, Maryland elected the state's first black governor, Democrat Wes Moore. Let's see. The Associated Press called the Florida governor's race for Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Already. Um, Stacey Abrams probably going to lose, um, but Warnock's close. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene dog walked our boy Marcus Flowers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we figured yeah. that. In uh, Florida's, uh, what's the, I can't find the, number of the congressional district but a congressional district in florida florida has elected the first gen z candidate maxwell alejandro frost defeated republican calvin wimbish um that's a good republican name. Like florida's, a, like a, florida's 13th district 25 year old gun reform and social va- social justice activist heavily blue okay. orlando area district so Oh, thank you. Debbie Lynn Robinson says, hit the like button. Everybody, yes, like and share, subscribe, tell your friends, rate and review on the podcast version, all that good stuff. We appreciate I like a, it. I like that name, Calvin Wimbish. It's a throw. That's like, like, like a Gilded Age Republican name. It sounds like he's hanging yeah. out with like uh, the Vanderbilts or something. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to pass a law to require bow ties in school or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good. I like uh, Dr. Segura, man. He's a, he's a fun talk. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's nice to hear sober, calm. Like, it's like, yeah, it's going to be bad for a little while, but we can fix it. Right. <laughs> you know, it might be it might be a long time horizon, but, you know, people go through shit. It's fine. They do. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything about, um, we don't know anything about, like, Walker and Warnock or, Oz and Fetterman or none of that, right? Like that's all still very much up in the air. I imagine. I don't know if some parts of um, uh, some in the East Coast polls haven't closed. Um, I know it's not a clock, almost nine o'clock there, but um, let's see, Pennsylvania. Logo tick, logo tick, something like that on YouTube says Doctor Segura was cool as shit. I'd hang with him. Yeah, me too. With 9% of votes in Pennsylvania, John Fetterman is winning 75% to 23. <laughs> okay. Go ahead and mark up. that one down, surely. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen enough. I call Nutri- it. <laughs> Nutrient Miracle says Warnock is leading with 52% right now. But, yeah, I don't know what the yeah. percent reporting is. But, yeah, it'll be a minute. That's why we, uh, you know, we realize, like, 
a lot of this shit no one's going to know for hours and hours and hours so we're not just yeah. going to sit here the whole time <laughs> we do a, do a yeah. regular show and call it because nobody's nobody's watching us to we're not going to be breaking any of these races or anything yeah i mean it's um, like like cities come in faster because they have more money and bigger and better infrastructure and then like the rural counties that are going to vote for Oz, like it's like two little old ladies hand counting ballots. They got to they got to figure out how to phone up phone up the state headquarters and get the numbers in. So, yeah. but isn't there also so Candace Weiss on Facebook says I'm praying Shapiro wins. I'm in Pennsylvania. Our polls just closed. Yeah. Uh, but it but isn't it like um, the revert? There's sometimes a red mirage because of. Uh, like mail in yeah. voting or whatever, stuff like that. Like there's another, like you said, cities are like come in first, but there's other elements of it that work in the opposite direction, don't they? So it's kind yeah. of both. So Pennsylvania should be a red mirage state. Mm-hmm. So like, cause they, they won't count. Cause it was, voters. it was in 2020. It was a red yeah, mirage. That's why the situation. whole stop the count thing happened. Right? Yeah. Right. So like the mail in ballots get counted like tonight and tomorrow and they should increase veterans vote count. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure like the 75 percent is because Pennsylvania, like Philadelphia, precincts came out. Uh, so. Bridget Muleberger says, "Great show! I'm going to go drink myself to sleep and wake up in 1950." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, I think I'm Charles Craw or yeah, Charles Craw says, "Where's Georgia correspondent Corey to explain MTG winning again?" Yeah, maybe we we'll have we need to have him on next week. Give his response to it on the Well Read podcast this week, which we recorded yesterday. He very much predicted a big win for her, and he had little to nothing in the way of hope. So he's not going to be <laughs> like yeah. surprised or anything like that. Not to, he's not. He's so, not happy about it. Corey was in a commercial for Stacey Abrams, and it came on at a Halloween party he was at a couple weeks ago, and he almost got in a fist fight over it. So that's he's true. Got a, he, he, he's risking, he's actually putting got skin in this game. Me, in me and Corey. <laughs> Me and Corey did a a, a couple of uh, Stacey Abrams uh, ads, and then the big one though was just Corey, uh, you know. And apparently, it got ran during like the Georgia football game, and yeah, he uh, it people didn't take too kindly uh, to it, I guess. Although in my head, it was like, and I, he said he was like, "We knew you was a liberal queer, but we didn't know you was bought and paid for." You know, because bottom paid for communists. Yeah, right. And so, uh, yeah, but he made it. He made it out. He didn't have to whoop <laughs> anybody's ass, give anybody what fur, nothing like that. <laughs> the funny part was, like, Corey's not drinking, so mm-hmm. uh, he he was more likely to fight because he was stone sober at a party. Was it? <laughs> right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. On that note, because yeah. I pumped him up last week, Corey's dogs did handle my Tennessee volunteers, but I still think we have a shot at the playoff. If the right, we need some help now, right? Teams lose. We can still get in. Tom Cooper on Facebook says Tim Ryan is currently ahead in Ohio. So that's the one that would make me feel, I just, I just want oh, I would love that. to be so sad. I just want yeah. them to like look in the mirror and be like, why did I do this for, why did I waste two years of my life? Well, again, and I, I also I think it's an interesting case because we've talked before on here in the past few weeks about that about that race that like Tim Ryan has kind of frankly gone against every major lesson I thought I had taken away from recent elections, meaning like the idea that like you know go hard or go home basically like Phil Bredesen in Tennessee when he ran against Marsha Blackburn he tried to play both sides right he tried to placate yeah. the Republicans and be like no I'm all right I'm one of the good ones and he got his ass whipped and and so ever since then I've been like you can't do that shit that don't work you got to dig in and just be who you are that's horse shit but Tim Ryan has been doing that the whole time. And if that ends up working, even still, I won't know if it's more of a that's just how much JD don't JD Vance don't hit situation or what. But yeah, yeah. I find it interesting because I would have told you that that was a terrible strategy. But you know, yeah. I don't know, I don't of, know anything. Yeah, Tim Ryan sort of ran as a as a sane Republican versus the insane Republican, which right. Is, you're right. It's not like I, but also like as a political science experiment, you got to factor in that J, the way JD Vance comes across on TV is like a guy right. who would. Who would finger your dog if you left him alone with it? No, I know. <laughs> I mean, that's why I said. That's why I said. Even if that does happen, it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that. It's just more about JD Vance than it is Tim Ryan. Zion Kuriyama says, "Ohio Democrat here. If Tim Ryan wins, I will gleefully eat a boot." We hear you, brother. 
uh, or sister, as the case may be. All right. Well, that's it. We're all going to go, uh, you know, watch the the coming storm together, I suppose. Or, well, no, not together. Spiritually together. Anyway, go to TreyCrowder.com. Get some tickets. Come see me live. We'll have a lot to talk about for sure. And you can file, you can support the show on Patreon, weeklyskews.com slash more, or go on Patreon and look me up. Like I said, later this week, when we actually have results from the midterms, we're going to be doing an episode all about those results, a Patreon episode. So check that out. And uh, yeah, stay strong, everybody. Hang in there. We'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. Yeah.